I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. All right, folks, we are back with another edition of the Red and White Podcast. I'm your host, Evan, here with Will. Will is alive once again. We're in the off-season for all sports, so Will kind of comes in and out. Will, glad to hear your voice. How are you doing? Um, Evan, why did I not hear a intro? You didn't hear an intro? I didn't hear an intro. That's not good. I think it played. Man, it's a it's a it's a true off season podcast. <laughs> I'll add the intro in if it didn't catch in. I don't know. It definitely played. It's who knows. Maybe it didn't pass my storage limit over here. Um, yeah. I'm doing I'm doing okay. I'm a, I've had a he- a terrible headache all day. So I've been uh, I'm going to be real on the spot on this pod. Well, nothing cures a headache than listening to me talk for an hour. So here we go. It's true. Uh, I don't really know what to talk about. So we've been just kind of scrounging for things to talk about. It's one of those very slow times in the sports world. I will say that the transfer portal hits. If you want to play in the fall, in a fall sport, basketball is a fall sport, football is a fall sport. You need to be in the portal by May 1st. And then spring semester is July 1st. So hmm. these next two weeks-ish should be really interesting for anybody still thinking about going in the portal. So yeah, there's that. Well, okay. Since we're scrounging for topics, how many guys at UNC will be in the portal after their spring game this Saturday? Ooh, football. Football portal. Um, got, what, four days, five days to do it then? Yeah. That's a good question. I've only been keeping track of basketball portal guys. I imagine a bunch. They've already they've lost a few already. They've if I don't if I recall correctly, they've over they recruited over a few people. And so I think you're gonna see some of them stars that they got last year hit the portal. I think that's yeah. uh, that's what's going to happen. I don't know what the number is, but let's say over under five, five. That feels right. Well, I don't know. You know, now that they're a um, dark horse national championship contender Jeez. after eight wins yes. last year, um, you know, maybe you'll see the basketball effect where uh, these guys just stick around. And they say, "Hey, man, I'm just happy to be fourth string." Um, it's funny, you know. <sighs> I. Pro Football Focus put out a tweet earlier in the week, and I responded to it and got a lot of attention. But it was running back rankings for the 2021 NFL Draft. Javante Williams, Najee Harris, Alabama, Travis Etienne, Clemson, Marco Carter, Carolina, Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech, and then Trey Sermon from Ohio State. My point with – what a point I was trying to make here is that Carolina is losing two very good backs. As much as I hate to admit it, they are very good backs. And I don't know how people are overlooking the fact that they're going to have to replace something like 4,000 yards of offense or whatever those guys had combined. It was ridiculous, right? Why do people just completely discount that? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I had um... – I remember I was texting or not texting, but tweeting with a uh, Lauren Brownlow about it because everyone was talking about their receivers, 
you know, they're young receivers and like, it was just going to be no drop off. And who knows? I mean, with, with, um, with Longo's offense, it's quite possible that, you know, in theory, there's minimal drop off despite the obvious just massive talent that was there at the right time. Um, I'm trying to scroll through my tweets right now to find it. Cause I actually did the math and was going on just a massive rant <laughs> about <laughs> just their, just everyone's, you know, returning capability or whatnot. But um, I, I mean the, the tweet in question from you that got all that attention. I mean, I guess just to me, it's like, yes, Javante Williams was like really great last year. Um, I can't remember if he played in the bowl game or not. I'd be curious to go back and see what his numbers were if he did, because he didn't have necessarily the wide receivers to back him up. But I mean, I also just remember a lot of the stuff last year was, I mean, really optimal timing for UNC. I mean, UNC had really lucky, you know, playing. I mean, we were definitely depleted. Obviously, Larry had just gone out the the game before. Um, I think Ingle was out. Uh, Peyton Wilson was clearly injured. Uh, others were kind of hobbling around. But I keep thinking about games like with VT, Miami, that had a bunch of guys out for COVID and, and other injuries. You know, it, it just, it seems like it was kind of a perfect storm. And I don't want to take away from how well he was playing. But at the same time, he was also just, he just kind of peaked at the right time. I'm going to be really curious um, the first thing I actually thought of when I looked at that list of backs was like, it's kind of unfair that, um, you know, these guys, you know, typically have like two or three years of really good run in them in the NFL mm-hmm. and it's on these rookie contracts. So all five guys are probably going to get screwed long-term unless one of them stays healthy <laughs> uh, was the first thing I thought of. But then the second thing was like, I mean, I'll take Travis Etienne who is clearly an incredible um, pass catching back. Right. I mean, he's a true three down back. Um, I'm just shocked that he is number three on this list. I just can't believe that. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I don't, I don't know what to say. Like, I saw, I saw that list. I'm like, have you seen Najee Harris's thighs? His thighs alone would make me attractive. him. That guy is a truck man, and Etn is just—he's done nothing but be really good from start to finish, right? Four years of just uh, amazing. Now, I mean, I guess you can argue the usage numbers for Harris and ETN, you know, but I don't know, man. I'm, I'm taking Trey Sermon over Michael Carter. And I think Khalil Herbert is actually pretty good too. Javante Williams, you know, I, I can go either way on that. I think he's a really good back. He obviously makes people miss. But both of them in that list and then Carolina having to replace both of them. I just don't know how they do that and have that same offensive success. I just People are just completely discounted and that just kind of blows my mind. Yeah, if I can find it when we come back, I, I, I can I had compiled basically just everything they were losing. Um, the other thing too will be actually really interesting. I know this is an NC State podcast, but because I was just <laughs> clicking on the UNC page, um, Surratt, Surratt's picture just yeah. popped up. Like, I mean, that's another one where I'll be curious to see what happens on that defense. I mean, folks from the UNC side that replied to a couple tweets a few weeks back were, you know, implying that they thought they were getting better on defense. I don't know, man. Sometimes when you just le- lose like an, a, an utterly intuitive player like that, it can expose 
a lot of gaps that yeah. uh, that are there. Um, but then again, I really liked. Aside from the cheating, I really liked. Um, oh my god, I'm trying to blank on his name. Jay Bateman um, as a defensive coordinator. I think he's one of those guys that does kind of push the game to to new directions. Um, so I was really annoyed when they hired him instead of whatever that old timer was that Mac was originally bringing in. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's see here. Yeah, I'm trying to look at their roster. Let's see who they're even who who are the running back? I know they got the kid from Tennessee, Ty Chandler. Yeah, they got that guy coming in. I guess that could be a little bit of an X factor. Uh-huh. A bunch of guys I have not heard of. And same thing with the wide receivers, right? I mean, they, they lost uh, Deami Brown, right? Yeah, I mean they lost Brown, Newsom. You know they so much. I mean, look, it's it's going to come down to to howl i mean yeah that's the simple thing right if your star quarterback stays healthy the whole time it changes everything it keeps you in games um you know it's i mean it's it, i mean i'm not saying he and leary are the same but i mean i can tell from leary's arm that they're far closer together than you'd think right um you know i mean that they've they've stayed healthy the last couple of years i mean the thing is is nc state just despite everything right i mean we had a great year last year. We were still like battling a crazy amount of injuries. And that's what's when he's a change for Dave, the years he's been really good. Yeah. have typically been years where we're very healthy throughout the year. Um, it starts on the O-line quarterback, obviously for two straight years now has had issues. Um, I mean, it's, I guess that's the one thing you can take from the spring game, right? Is that uh, not everyone died. <laughs> <laughs> right. Seriously. Then they almost died for a second there, but he's okay. You mentioned uh, Sam Howell and Devin Leary, and then this is a question I wanted to ask you. I was on Matt Coe's podcast the other day, and he asked me who are the top five returning ACC quarterbacks, or who who will be the top five quarterbacks in ACC next year. Give me your give me your top five. Um, Devin Leary. It's going to be tough, actually, where to put Devin Leary. But Devin Leary is obviously going to be in the top five, in my opinion. He's got the arm talent to be there. Yeah. This is just out of order. I'd say Howell's there. Um, Derek King, assuming he comes back healthy. DJ Ulegalili. Um And then, honestly, I'm not this. I'm not a Jerkovich guy. I just... Uh, I mean, I looked at his numbers again last year. I did not watch a ton of BC games, but when I did, he didn't look incredibly talented by any means. Um, and he definitely tailed off on the back end of the season. Then he got hurt, too. I don't know the, the details there. So I always kind of put a pause up. I'd even put a pause up for Leary a little bit. That's why I kind of would keep him at the number three, four, five range. But um, I don't know. I mean, who would you take? Who, who are your guys? Because, I mean, I just... I don't really like anyone else outside of that group. Um, yeah, so I went Howell, Kenny Pickett, uh, DJ Ui Ung Ulele. <laughs> I got it. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, I've got it sounded out in the in the episode chat on the, <laughs> on the pod chat. It's a uh, it's in the tagline. I'm gonna have to say it like a thousand times this year, so I got to get it right. But that's how you say it. So I have him. I have those three. And then Leary and I think I had Jerkovic as my fifth. I mean, and I get your argument. I don't know how good he's going to be. I think they lost a lot. 
And then I, I didn't put Derek King in there, Mackenzie Milton, both those guys coming off of major knee surgeries or major surgeries, major leg surgeries. You know, King especially, you know, his what he does well is run the ball and throw the deep ball. Is he going to be able to run? Is that running threat going to still be there with, you know, one and a half knees? I don't know. I don't know how fast he's going to recover. That's my hesitation putting him in that list. I think Leary's injury is much less major and easier to recover from. But same thing with Kenzie Milton. I think he's a very good well, quarterback. Is he going to get hit one time and, and you know, freeze? Or is he going to be okay? I, I don't know. It's So I, I found it hard to put those guys in there. And then after that, it's like Sam Hartman and uh, who else we have? trying to think uh garrett schrader from syracuse the mississippi state transfer who was terrible there who else is I, there? duke oh, i have man, no yeah, idea who's geez. the duke quarterback georgia tech jeff sims virginia tech uh burmeister i mean none of these guys are scare me i i still don't understand why they wanted burmeister over hooker hooker yeah, i i, I just i mean Hooker protects the ball. I, I, I'm, I'm still just, my mind is still blown by that whole event. Yeah. So, so I, that, that's interesting. I, I just, after that, I mean, there's really, I mean, Sam Howell, as much as I think he's overrated, I still think he's good enough. And after that, there's a bunch of guys that are unproven. I think Kenny Pickett is, uh, he's really good. He's on a terrible team, but he's really good. And there's just not oh, a whole Pickett's lot of good back. quarterbacks. Say what? Is Pickett is back? I think so. I hope so. Oh my god! I thought his whole thing was like he's an NFL quarterback on a on a Pittsburgh team. He's got to get out of there. I, I, I thought he was. I thought he was bolting. Back. No, I'm pretty um, sure he's returning. Yeah. Wow. The rich get richer. <laughs> um. <laughs> Speaking of rich get richer, Dave Dorn's contract was extended. My man. This past week. Uh, one of the questions we got, what went into this, the decision to extend Dave Doran's contract along with a $250,000 bump in his base salary? What went into that decision, Will? Well, um, I think it's pretty simple. Um, I think Boo likes Dave, likes the trend of the program, is smart enough to recognize that the previous year was in a freakish anomaly um, and shouldn't be used to judge him. Just saw the team win seven ACC games in the middle of a pandemic when there were plenty of reasons to quit, especially after the star quarterback went down. Um, you know, I, I think they're smart enough to say the they've got a great staff right now, um, which is worth investing in. I think they I think Boo also believes that um, investing not just in that staff, but the support staff around Dave is important to success. And I mean, I think the thing is, it's like, look, you know, if you go out and win, continue to win eight or nine games or more, hopefully, um, and you're doing it in a way that doesn't really embarrass the university and is, you know, showing integrity, keeping the guys out of trouble for the most part. Um, I think it's worth it. And I also think, I don't know how this factors in. I think they delayed when the payments would go in because of the pay cuts last year. Yeah. But I do wonder also if there's a little bit of, Hey, we know you guys took one on the chin last year due to COVID from a salary perspective. So I wonder if it was also a little bit of a makeup there. 
Uh, probably a bit of both. To me, it's, you know, the, the main decision is it's the recruiting angle that whether you believe it or not, agents use to say, you know, we, he's got to have four years on his deal. You know, he's got to be able to recruit, can't recruit with less than four years, which is mostly nonsense, but that's what they do. And that's what they did. And it's four years. So it makes, to me, it's perfectly fine. It wasn't, I mean, they added, if I'm not mistaken, a year, maybe two years. I forgot what it was. Uh, slight bump. I like his bonuses for, you know, 11, 10, <laughs> 11 and 10 wins. I don't like the eight win bonus. To me, that's. Um, I'll tell you what I don't like is being limited to one meal at the dining hall. So Come on. It's so stupid. What is that about? That has got to be some state rule or something. I, I was laughing so hard when I saw that. Um, could you imagine like someone like is sitting there in line or, you know, at the cashier or whatever at the center and is like, excuse me, Dave, I need to see your punch card for the day. Oh, I see you've already had a meal today. That'll be $6 and 80 cents, please. <laughs> right. It doesn't oh, make I any like sense. It. It's got to be some NCAA nonsense that they, you know, they can only give the same to the players and coaches. I, I don't know. It's something stupid. Or I just like to think that Dave is like actually such a, uh, like a, a hoarder, not a hoarder, a miser with his money that he's like, boo, I gotta save one meal a day at least. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. I don't know, man. It's, it was some weird stuff. Two courtesy vehicles. It's just, you know, normal 20 tickets to football home games. Like why? Did, I'm just surprised they have to spec, they have to specify those things. I don't, I don't know. I think, well, yeah, it's probably, that's gotta be NCAA stuff. I'm, I'm guessing so. Graduation, graduate, graduation rate bonuses. Okay. Whatever. Academics. Nobody cares about that. Yeah. All right. Eight wins. It gets $50,000 for eight wins. I really don't like that. I really think that's a, that's a weird, that's a weird one to Which ones? Eight wins, he gets fifty grand. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just benchmarks. That's that true. is an that is an agent saying, okay, if you're not going to give me the guaranteed money, I want something. Yeah, that can easily be attained each year. You know, I mean, really, that's get three or four wins in your schedule and then go and win four or five wins in the ACC. That's basically saying I need you to get five hundred in the ACC at a minimum. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I, what, what was curious to me is I don't remember if it specified if these were, um, non bowl game related or if the bowl game numbers also factor in, they probably do. No, he has specific bowl game bonuses and title game bonuses. Hmm. Okay. And so that's where like he gets to 12 wins, he gets 250 and you know, 12 or more is still 250. All right. So he doesn't get any more there. He gets hundred grand for getting to the AC title game, two two hundred for winning the ACC title game, and then there's a whole bunch of other bowl games and playoff game incentives. Top twenty five finish, fifty grand. Top fifteen finish, hundred grand. And then there's also bonuses for the staff along those lines too. Yeah, it was a no brainer, right? I mean, does he still have one for recruiting like he used to? Getting like a top twenty-five recruiting class per scout or something. I don't think so. I thought it was a Deb thing. That was a Deb thing. I just didn't know if it continued. Yeah. It was one of those things where I was like, "Ooh, man, that's kind of a perverse incentive," and also just feeds into my theory that 
there's plenty of coaches out there just sliding money under the table to these services to uh, to uh, jazz up a recruit. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I didn't like it when I saw it. I just thought it was probably not going to incentivize good behavior. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I have to read the contract. I'm not sure if that, that one's still in there. I'll, I'll look through it again. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it all makes sense. Look, and this is one of the things I, I keep... I bring this conversation up like a few times a week, it seems like. People ask me about Dave Doran. I'm like, if Dave wins two Wake Forest games, right? Two games that he should have won. Two games he was leading. You win two Wake Forest games. He's got two 10-win seasons on his hands. And that completely changes the the narrative of Dave Doran. Right? That it completely changes how people look at him. And it's such a fine line. And so I think he's done mostly good. I, I understand the detractors and the win the big games and whatever, but he's elevated the floor of this program to a point where we're at eight wins. I think like we're expecting eight wins. I think that's pretty normal. You know, if you look across his time, the last few years, eight wins should be the floor for this team. You know, he got eight wins last year with a Bailey Hockman at quarterback. I just, I think he's done a really good job. So I understand how they didn't hesitate to give him those extra years for the recruiting, whatever. Like, there's just no downside to it. Yeah. It's funny, actually. I feel like the seven win season last year kind of, <laughs> it's kind of like jade me a bit. So, I mean, again, like it was built off the back of some teams that are definitely having a bad year, but. Now it's like if you go and get four and four in the ACC, I'm like, man, I just saw you in a 10 game season go seven and three. Like this is, I feel like I'm going to have a lot less, uh, what do I want to say? Like uh, relief given um, if he, you know, only wins four games in a season that I don't know, man. So here's, here's a question from the people. What do you think it would take for state to be better on the recruiting trail? This is similar to the age old question. Can we do better than eight or nine wins? Can we recruit better than 25 to 35? So what, what does state need to do to get better at recruiting? To get better at recruiting? Yeah. Hold on. Sorry. I was completely distracted. Say the question again, but this is what people want. <laughs> yeah. What do you think it would take for state to do better on a recruiting trail? This is some, this is similar to the age old question. Can we do better than eight or nine wins? Can we mm. recruit better than 25 to 35 in the rankings? We should be able to, but it seems like in reality, the teams we're hunting against are typically, you know, Clemson, UNC, South Carolina. The ones that I mean that we're losing, what I would say is like movers in the rankings. Um, you know, Georgia occasionally, I mean, the thing is, is state needs to get a 10 win season needs to have success so that they can point to it and say, the reason you go to us and you overlook everything at Clemson is giving you all the nonsense that the UNC folks are spouting at you, the Virginia tech people that, you know, they always come down here and snipe one or two guys. Um, you need to have that success to show them and see, see, we are building something. You're going to win when you're here. 
and you're going to compete against these big dogs, you know, that's one thing. And two, I would say like, you got to get these humiliating losses off, off the the records, man. You got to be competitive against Clemson. You cannot be getting blown out by UNC last year. Look, I'm going to forget it, man. You lose your, your star quarterback. And then you see Bailey Hockman trotting out there. I get why the team came out. It was like, I'm not super into this. Um, you know, but I mean, the thing is like, he's got to hit it, make his, you know, he's got to hit his shot when he gets the chance, man. He, like you said, right. Beating wake that gets you 10 wins beating Miami last year. There's really no excuse when you go back and watch that game. Like we should have won that game. Um, you know, he's, Thank God he beat Liberty, right? Because if he loses Liberty, man, that you put it's kind of a twist on that season. If it's you know, what what do we ended up with? Eight wins, right? If you yeah. end up with seven and five, and one of those is that Liberty game, especially how gross that Liberty game was. Yeah, you know. But at the same time, like I'm always of the mindset that it's incremental wins in football. It's you typically do not just go on a never-ending rise up to the top like Clemson kind of did recently. You got to grind it out. So I think he's at an inflection point. I think if he wins this year, it starts translating. The message starts translating again. And then you'll start pulling those guys. I still think it's just hard. This year, it's going to be impossible because we're not going to have enough recruits to crack a top 25. You know, our, I think we're at like maybe like what, 10, 15 available slots. Yeah. It, nobody knows. It's going to be weird. It's going to be transfers, all that stuff. What I would say and I think you touched on it, winning, winning cures all. I think Dave has gotten a lot out of what he can from the recruiting standpoint with what he was given. I think the staff he's brought in is all around better recruiters. So I think that should elevate it. But the real thing that's going to elevate it is winning and not, you know, not losing those Wake Forest games or not losing those stupid games they shouldn't have. I'm looking at the the class rankings for 2021, right? State's 35th, so it's perfectly in, in this question. The teams that are ahead of it, that in theory we should be able to recruit with or ahead of, Kentucky, Virginia, Utah, UCLA, Oklahoma State, Cal, Mizzou, Pitt, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Iowa. That's your that's your next nine in order. right? So you should be able to recruit with those at any given time and move yourself into that top 25. And then it becomes a little dicey because you're dealing with FSU, Penn State, Nebraska, Auburn, Tennessee, Maryland's, you know, outkick their coverage. They're at 18. And then the rest of them are brand names. I mean, I don't think Carolina's going to always recruit this high. So there's opportunities to move up. The problem is, you know, getting into that top 15 is hard because those are big, those are big names there. And yeah. but I think you can crack that. 15 to 25 range. And I think you can make the new normal there, but you got to win. You also just got to be fun to watch. I mean, we've said this yes. so many times, Brandon. but Holy crap, during that, that run of wins, right. That he had in the successful years, they're just, I mean, they weren't, they just weren't showboating enough. Right. And that's how yeah. you get the really good wide receivers. the really good skill players guys. You know, if we had more years where at least you have like Bradley Chubb and those guys, you know, being the entertainment on the field, maybe it's a little different, but you know, part of that's he was climbing out of a big hole. I think a lot of people just need to remember, man, like the first, first four years was just like getting guys to a point where they were juniors and seniors. I mean, everyone from that first class basically was, you know, playing full time. And I I think that kind of went into it. And I think Dave was, 
so desperate, not desperate, but so concerned about winning that he probably lost some opportunities for style points, you know? Yeah. It was only a few games like Louisville and and some others where you're just like, Oh, these guys can be super fun and exciting to watch. And instead it felt like for years, it's just been us biting our nails at the end of games. Um, I think that's perfect. Inspire confidence. Yeah. Being interesting that, that all, that all plays into how you recruit. It's not just going out and and getting a kid, right? It's, you've got to be interesting on the field. You've got to be something people are talking about. You've got to be in the highlights. You've got to be on the edge. And it's just something, it's something that I've been writing about over and over on the site because it is so important. And I was listening to the cover three and, and part of the next piece that I'm doing on Dave is based around their comments. Cover three podcast said this is a few weeks back that, and they were talking about the ACC and the previews and they just kind of, yeah, Dave Jordan's doing a good job. Nobody's talking about him because he's boring as hell. And like verbatim, that's what all, all four of them said. And like, yeah, if he was, you know, tweeting out memes or doing something interesting, he'd get a lot more attention for what he's done here. And I think he'd get a lot more positive press and all of that plays into recruiting. I think every, every bit of it, you can be the hand in the dirt. You can be the family atmosphere and all that. But at the end of the day, you still have to brand the hell out of yourself. If you want to differentiate yourself, if you want to crack that top 25 in recruiting rankings, you damn well better do something interesting. You stop being, that old mentality, like you said, of grinded out wins, like blow the doors off somebody. We blow Kevin, the doors off that Louisville team that year because they were freaking awful. They were so bad. Yeah. Evan, are, are hands in the dirt sexy and fun? Does that sound fun? <laughs> oh, I mean, I get it, man. Hands yeah. in the dirt for everyone except for the skilled players. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. mean, and well, here's the thing, right? The difference is going to be going forward is how do they – approach the the transfer portal i really like the guys that we've brought in this year Corey yeah. durden yeah. graduates on friday if i saw the tweet correctly so <laughs> everybody all eyes like yeah yeah all eyes are on that but um i i feel like they 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 finally saw a way to say okay we gotta this is how we're gonna fix some of the misses um we're gonna bring in two guys on the offensive line we're gonna bring in defensive defensive end slash tackle multiple dbs um you know, the only thing that's kind of missing from the list is like, do you find like a game changing wide receiver or something like that? Which you're the chances of that ever happening for NC State are probably extremely unlikely just because um, those guys are going to be star hunting, especially if they're that good. Um, I was I did find it interesting that um, who was it? Joseph Johnson or whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, showed up in the portal today. That was just, which was a guy that the the staff really really wanted uh, a year or two back and uh, went chose you know committed to us um, wowed in camp had all the measurables that we wanted and then someone got in his ear and he flipped to Penn State his dad was not happy out. about yeah yeah oh my god and um, dad was a big fan so I mean the thing is like I, I look I don't know what state's gonna do but honestly. If that guy has like the physical abilities and clearly needs a safe space to land, he's clearly not going to be a hot commodity. 
I mean, take a chance on a guy like that. See, you know, see if it works out for a year or two. Yeah. I mean, maybe you just get competitive depth. But that that's the kind of thing where I'd like to maybe see us take a few swings, maybe with the transfer portal and just say, I'm just going to take a guy just based on raw measurable um, and yeah. see if you can, you know, get a good head on him. That's a lot what Carolina does. Not going to lie. They, they look at the, the stats and the numbers and they just try to get the best, you know, specimen they can. It doesn't always work out, but... It sure looks good in the rankings. It sure shit is also hard to stop fast players. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, that's a, hmm, that's not something we hadn't been talking about. Right. Yeah. Uh, pick I six mean, previews. Do we need to bring up this. Oh, go sorry. Ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, do we need to bring up the spring game and my boy, Chris Scott? I got, I wish I got his Twitter handle on, on, on copy. Um, but the boys in speed were doing some work at the spring game. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Did we talk about that? I can't remember if we talked about the spring game. Uh, who right? knows, man? It's been so long. Yeah. Yeah, it's we probably did. They, they were throwing bombs to Ant Smith. The first play of the game, I think, was a deep throw to Ant Smith. They're going to use these guys. I think I really think they are. They're going to get them in the game. Uh, Pick 6 Previews put out a tweet a few minutes ago. I just picked up on it. And it's related to this. Since 2000, the year 2000... Boston College has produced more first-round draft picks than Oregon, UCLA, Nebraska, South Carolina, Virginia Tech, Stanford, Oklahoma State, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Michigan State. I just mentioned every one of those teams ahead of us in the recruiting rankings. Boston College is two spots behind us in the 2021 rankings. Player development. Some, like that something is in the water up there. Yeah. A lot of dudes. Yeah, a lot of dudes. Jeff Halfley, is, he's a good recruiter, but – the player development part of it is, you know, that's something Dave's really good at. It's something they need to sell more because state is probably ahead of Boston college, if I'm not mistaken. So all of these things, it just comes back to branding yourself better, you know, being something people talk about. And also just push the back. limits of it. Yeah. Just, just twist everything possible into a positive light, man. If you say something and people are like, oh, that's bullshit, whatever. No one's going to remember it in two days from now. Right. So I say just uh, you you make you can make your own fate here. Um, and maybe that's what's going to happen because we got a new you know support staff. And I saw that in our notes. The perfect transition into how do you get better recruiting, get a better staff. State has Billy Glasscock left for Texas. I was a big Glasscock fan. We both were. He helped renovate the mess that Colin Homolka left and, and gave us a couple of bad seasons we had in there. But uh, Mercy Fillets, I think you pronounce it, director of player mm-hmm. personnel, takes over Glasscock's job. Under him, Quint Cottenham is an NC State guy, but he was working at Ohio State. Corey Phillips is Vanderbilt. Mike Jones was actually Carolina's assistant media director. And then Maurice Moses from Mississippi State. Uh, one of them also was at Tennessee. Well, I forgot which one. The but what what I like about that is you're getting guys from big schools, and all of these guys, all of these places other than Vanderbilt, which we'll, we'll touch on in a second. Yeah, they recruited better than us, right? If I go back and look at those rankings, every one of them is still ahead of us. Right. So you're getting guys from places that know how to do it or know what it looks like. Now, again, you still have a branding thing. So that's, you know, that plays into it. So far, the the work that Mike Jones and Maurice Morris have put out, I really like. It's got a bit more testosterone. 
to to say it nicely. I think that that's going to resonate better with the people are trying. The kids are trying to recruit, right? They're trying to recruit 17, 18 year old boys. So, you know, you need to connect with them. And I, I think the stuff they're putting out is, is a little more gritty and I like it. So. I just like that. They're getting all our players verified and uh, yeah, you know, I mean, no joke. I mean, what a great way, great thing to say, you know, we're going to help grow your, uh, your following on social media, which is going to in turn make you free money in the future. If you can figure out a way to monetize it. So, um, I like the efforts that are going on there. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, it's curious. What, what's your take on the the guy coming from Vanderbilt? Um, that's right. a, yeah. Yeah. So immediately everybody said, like, what's his, hold on, let me pull his, his actual title is Director of Scouting. So the first reaction everybody said is Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt can't recruit. And they're right. Vanderbilt's dead last in the SEC in recruiting every year that's just how it is it's like the duke of the sec they just don't recruit well so they're actually ahead of south carolina this year now that i'm looking at it so that's they had a great they had a great kicker last year if i recall yeah they did um but this guy is not involved in his well i'm not gonna say he's not involved in because all these guys are involved in it but his main role is not uh, personnel related. It's not identifying players. His main role is more admin. A director of scouting is, um, you know, is responsible for calling recruits and doing these things, not identifying the players. Right? Those things that are, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, admin is the best way to say it, but like he's the back end kind of guy. So his it, it's up to Felice and Cottingham. And I think there's another one. Shelton, I believe, is the defensive side of assistant director of player personnel. Those guys are the ones that have to identify it. Everybody else is there to get them. Yeah. Right. So they bait the hook, and these guys have to fish. That's maybe the right analogy. Vanderbilt is actually ahead of Auburn, Ole Miss, South Carolina, and Tennessee in the SEC recruiting rankings for 2022. Still early, but they're ahead of those guys. That's fascinating. So, yeah, I, I think what they've done, you know, it's, it'll be hard to tell. We'll be able to judge it in a few years, but the early returns from at least the creative side, I think have been really good. Yeah, I mean, I, what I just, again, it, it's kind of like we said this when we hired Tim Beck. It's important to get somebody who has been at the big programs, understands how they work and can identify gaps in the approach or gaps in the culture to drive that success here. And yeah, I just, I think if you can bring those elements from those programs over, that's great. You know, what we'll, we'll just kind of see. I mean, the thing is like, sometimes the best thing about those kind of the, the staff, the sports staff is not hearing anything about them. Yeah. Right. Because no one comes really talking to you about them when things are going well. <laughs> so ideally, you know, we just rip off wins and people forget that Mercy is, is back there. I mean, I wish I would have never known Colin Holmoka or Billy Glasscock's name, but one being bad led me to research why the other one was good, right? I mean, I just, you had to know how to get better. And 
And I think I agree with you. If, you, if we don't talk about them, then that means something's probably going more right than wrong. I forgot which, where I was going with that. Um, well, yeah, what, one of the things you mentioned and just about recruiting in general, how do you get better? And to me, it is part of it is you have to, everybody's got to elevate. Everybody's got to see what success looks like. And, and one of the things I wrote recently was about the media call that they had with all the coaches. And it was like a Zoom, and it had Dave and Westmore and Brendan Holloway and, and Pop, Pop Alizzo and just everybody on there. And they were giving their few minutes with Jeff Gravely and whatever. And it was cool. It was a real concept. What I got from it, though, is that there is not a commitment to excellence, right? Maybe is the way to say it. Because you have Dave Dorn sitting on a laptop. It's like looking up his nose. Wes Moore is like in a closet and half in frame. You can't hear him. Just the little things like that, that you've been doing Zoom calls. You've been recruiting for the past year. And you can't get these guys a hundred dollars set up with a camera and a light and a better microphone. Like just little things like that, that play into your image and your perception of, are you championship caliber? Are you getting, you know, why should I come here? Like I'm, I'm not impressed with, you know, looking up Dave Dorn's nostrils or, Kevin Keats zoom call where he half blends into the, the fake background they've got going for him. Just little <laughs> things like that. Like you're a tech school computer science, like number one computer science program in the country. And you put out quality like that. It's like the little details that I think States got to really get better at. And they're not, not good at it at all. Yeah. I mean, I kind of said this because, um, UNC, not UNC, sorry. Virginia Tech, their AD work came out saying like, hey, we're going to like invest like $30 million in the football program over an unspecified period of time. And yeah, what I said, I thought like if I was state, what I would be doing there is I would be hiring all these backroom support, quality control people, analysts, data people, yes. whatever. I'd have people dedicated to trying to steal signals. I would have people that are just running data tendencies on us and on the other teams just so we have a better idea of what we're possibly facing when they came come come to play and the other thing i would be doing is i would have dedicated guys and i say i don't know if we have this at state i'd be curious if someone in the department would kind of shed a light for us or maybe one of the insiders can gather this but i would have specific people dedicated to a single opponent or two opponents and all they would do is be breaking down film and living and breathing that opponent so that when we are putting together plans in the off season and when it comes to game week, there is an expert who has broken down and synthesized every single thing that that team does as best that they can do and can give it to our coaches in a bite size, easy to swallow format that gets down to our players. And you know, if we want to win, that's that's what that's what they do at Alabama. That's what they do at Clemson. They have guys that are just dedicated to crushing certain opponents. And 
you know, it's like we're, we're facing Mississippi State this year. Who's re- I would like to know who's responsible. Who's been watching all Leach's tape for the last 10 plus years? Who is going through it and saying, I am Mike Leach this week and I can tell you exactly what he's going to do to us. Um, that's what I'd be spending money on. I don't give a shit about facilities or anything like that. And maybe this should have been saved for our super premium secret pod, but <laughs> I, I don't know. You just, I, whatever you just said, that struck a chord with me. It's true. It's true. Like, you know, Florida state's going 60 million. They're putting this new facility together. And I think that stuff's good. And it's important because it is an arms race, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of other areas that I think NC state can improve on in order to elevate everything. Elevate the recruiting, elevate the, just the whole perception of everything, right? You, you don't make those mistakes and, and they do a pretty good job, like of emphasizing the little things on the field, but it's everything else like around there. Like I would be busting balls. Like if I was like Wes, it, the image I, I clipped of Wes Moore from that video call was so awful that, I mean, it was, it was embarrassing. And for a guy who just won back-to-back ACC titles, I mean, that's just... Now, it's not impacting his recruiting at all, I guess. But, again, it's it's the whole appearance thing, the little thing. You want to raise more money, you become... You know, put a better production together. Be more entertaining. Don't put out crap like that. So, yeah. I finally found my tweets. <laughs> okay, good job. What did you got? I don't remember what they were about. Uh, this was about the playmakers that UNC was losing. Um, someone had said, or Lauren Brownlow had said that, you know, Sam Howell at the time was six touchdown passes away from having the most in UNC career history as a sophomore. And I was like, well, you know, pass heavy, longo red zone play calling, plus NFL wide receivers, playing a bunch of teams that didn't crack 500 for two seasons is a hell of a recipe for Howell's TD numbers. It'll be interesting to see what happens next year TD-wise, assuming no Carter Williams, Diami, or Newsom assuming that Longo is still there. And, you know, our comment was, well, I'm not concerned about the wide receivers because they've shown a lot of promise as good as Brown and Newsom are. And I was like, okay, well, let's just like clarify this. 50% of the receptions, yards, and touchdown production is in the two wide receivers, Brown and Newsom. Corrales and Kiami Brown, I think is his name, make up a fraction of that. That's not even factoring in that Williams and Carter are nearly 22% of the pass offense as well. So 72% of the passing offense is in four guys that just left. And their effectiveness running and breaking tackles is a correlation to top two wide receiver success as well. My point being there's an elite three or four man group in the two wide receiver running backs that correlates to a significant amount of Longo's offensive successes and massive game plan factors as well for DCs. If you're only having to game plan in a serious way for one elite wide receiver and average running backs, how will success probably drops? That's like the story that everyone's missing or should be, you know, I would, I'm just surprised that no one is talking about it that much yeah. of you're losing these key players. And what does it do to you? Cause we saw what it happens when you just lose a Harmon and a Myers, right. And a, and a Reggie Gillespie one season or the year before a Naheem Hines, right. Losing key playmakers. And then just assuming that freshmen and sophomores are going to step up or a guy who's just been somewhere on the margins as their wide receiver three or four, is going to just take up a massive step. It doesn't usually happen. So it's going to be really interesting to see if Josh Downs, for example, really can become a factor right away. Um, I, I'm just surprised more people don't recognize the impact of losing elite players, even 
even if they're just fringe wide receiver NFL picks like we had. I can't remember if it was Jason or Nate in the pod chat had mentioned it's 2004 Philip Rivers. And I think that was like the perfect yeah. analogy because as good as he was, and he's better by a long shot than Sam Howell, he could only, you know, eight and four is what they did that year. You just, you need other pieces to make up the, the gap there. You can only do so much. And I think that's, you know, Sam Howell's going to be fighting that uphill battle as well. And he's no Phil Rivers. Nobody is. Nobody is. <laughs> if you had to spend a Saturday watching football, one of the coaches on staff in a room, who would it be? With someone in the room? Yeah, if you had to spend a Saturday watching football, one of the coaches on the staff. So you and X were hanging out in a room watching college football. Who would it be? Well, previous years I would have said um, Adazio just because I really liked him when he was in that coach's room. I think he was talking about our staff. Um, Oh, I thought I was getting to pick like anyone in college football that could break it down really fast. Um, Probably Beck, I guess. I'd be interested. I'm more interested to hear how an offensive mind either watches what an offense is doing or uh, interprets what a defense is doing. Um, So I think I'd, I'd, be more interested in that. The reason I would say that I liked Adazio for a reason was I, he was just breaking things down so fast and talking so much about the offensive line. And just, it was really interesting just seeing that jargon talk and how quickly he could translate it off what he was seeing. So probably him. I mean, I guess I was for sure. thought you were going Kurt Roper. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I'm too afraid that Kurt Roper will slit my throat at the end of the game. So that, you know, no one would ever know the secrets that that bald man had told me. <laughs> it, I don't know if like you ever watched or seen the gif of the Friends episode where Joey and Chandler are hanging out in the apartment and there's only two chairs. Like, that's it. Two chairs, a canoe, and like a TV. That's probably yes. Kurt Roper's apartment. Yes. <laughs> Nothing in there. Two chairs for Will and Kurt to watch some football. I was gonna go it's like watching a Garrison. game with Marie Kondo. <laughs> I mean, it's just, oh, that play sparked joy. What do you guys think? I don't know, Marie. <laughs> I was going to Garrison just because I think he's probably a good time. Like a big, jolly offensive yeah. lineman. Uh, yeah. That, that would be my pick, I think. I was thinking about that one. Definitely not Chuck Amato in the past. I couldn't, I couldn't handle, <laughs> I couldn't handle no. Chuck's voice for like that long of a game. But he would, I would love his energy. I feel like he would definitely bring the energy. Tony Gibson, I think, would be probably pretty interesting. I think he's a fiery one. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Gibson would be like probably lit off of like 10 cores. Um, <laughs> what do they call? What, oh, God. What do they call those gold cans? The banquet um, beer. The banquets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely Gibson looks like he's the most ready to party on the team. I feel like. I yeah. It's just a West Virginia vibe, I think. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> he, he'll burn a couch afterwards. After Saturday's over. Burn his couch. Yeah. If you can increase the speed, skill, or power of any position group at state, what would you choose? Uh, probably speed at, at quarterback. <laughs> I mean, hello, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> speed, speed. I mean, even uh, Daniel Jones, right? That 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 idiot is ex- just 
so fast. You know, do, do you ever watch that like in the NFL, like when Daniel Jones actually breaks a run? Yeah. And they like do like the little Amazon thing and they're like, oh, there's a cheetah on the field, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Speed. Yeah. I sp- We've been begging for speed for years, so I got to think that would be the one I would choose. Which position group? I mean, think about it like this. Kinetic energy is one half MV squared, man. Velocity, baby. That that's yeah. where everything is. Um it would, was it was yeah. it just that one position or was it yeah. just one, one ability? Yeah. Group. Okay. So it would be like I would I would have said wide receiver in the past, but I think we've done that. So maybe I'll go power for the offensive line. Hmm. I don't know. A power feels like one you can actually increase. You can get guys stronger. That's a tough question. Running back? Yeah. Ideally, I guess, I think the one thing we've said, I think what we, or I think what I've at least been consistent on is like at quarterback, I don't care if you've got like a great cannon. I just want dual threats. So to me, speed and the ability to scramble and, and make plays with your feet at, that position we've just seen so many times year in year out. It can take anyone that's got a really good arm and take them to the elite level. And it can certainly make dudes like uh, what Malik Willis, um, mm-hmm. you know, it can, it can elevate these guys that shouldn't really be problematic for us. And it just enables you to have another facet in the, in the game. So to me, speed at, at quarterback is probably the most important. And I'd say second, I would say speed at wide receiver. There's, you cannot, overstate the importance of just being able to throw a ball up and have a dude separate um, down the field and just make plays outside of Russell Wilson. Who's the fastest. This is my question. Who's the fastest quarterback from state that you can think of outside of Russell Wilson. That's not Jacoby. How far back do I need to go? Pretty far back. I think. I got the name in my head, but I don't know if you're going to come up with it. Oh, my God. Uh, he wrestled. Um, he bulls. wrestled? He wrestled bulls. I'm trying to think about you. Oh, hell of I know, man. I, I can't even. Olin Hanum. Who the hell is that? He was, <laughs> <laughs> he was the backup. Uh, I don't know. He was going to be the quarterback. Kind of a backup. I don't remember what year that was. Holden Hannum, you still... If you're a backup and you're not named Harrison Beck, I'm not going to remember you. 2000 and 2001, <laughs> or junior and senior year. Oh, man, okay. I wasn't I wasn't an NC State fan at that point. <laughs> yeah, 43 rushes, for 300 yards, 6 yards an attempt. Uh, he's the fastest one I can think of. But he was a rodeo clown or bull rider. I don't remember what he was. He was one of those things. Yeah, I don't know. It's that's a tough question. I couldn't. I was trying to go back and think who, who the hell would be the fastest quarterback we've had. It's not. I a, thought. I don't know. I I don't remember the measurables for like what was his name? Evan not Evan Pryor was that his name? Uh, there was a guy that Pryor was the running back been. from Charlotte. No, there was well, there was a guy that we had that was a quarterback, and then he transferred over, not transferred over, but moved over to like safety or something like that. I don't think he ever really saw the field. Uh, it was Tom O'Brien, like during the Tom O'Brien era. Oh. Um, Probably ran him off for the less popular. No, no, no. <laughs> I think he had like injury issues. Um, 
I'll, I'll, I'll remember it at some point. I'm looking through our quarterback uh, list over the years, and it's just not a lot. Let's see. Who has the most rushing yards? Russell Wilson by far. Jacoby's next. There's a lot of negative, <laughs> a lot of negative yards here. Oh, Ryan Finley isn't t- high on that list. Uh, Ryan Finley. Yeah, Mike I Glennon mean, isn't up there. Mike Glennon has <laughs> negative 280 yards rushing in his career. What's Phil got? Philip Rivers has 96. That's my man. 17 rushing TDs though. 17. Jesus, that's a FAQ you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Wow, must have been a lot of sneaks and a lot of naked boots with that speed he brought to the table. Johnny Evans, that's too far back. Scott Smith, I don't know who that is. Harrison Beck, negative 42 rushing yards. There's a bunch of names on here that I'm like, who the heck are these All guys? right, I'm, I'm, I'm reeling you back in. Sorry. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm... <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right. What's the other one? We got one other question here. I got two. Couch, a couch or recliner? Oh, give me a recliner. This okay. So this is a big hot topic in the household currently. All of our couches are like deep seated. It seems like so. I've been having tons of back issues, and one of the things you're supposed to do when you do that is not slouch yeah. when you're relaxing. And all of our couches do not enable like sitting up straight comfortably with your feet on the ground because I'm a, not a tall person. And uh, all I could think about the other day, I was like, oh, man, I remember this old lazy boy we used to have. And there's just nothing like just popping back. Your whole body is your back, but you got your proper ergonomics from the recliner. I'm a recliner all the way. Yeah, me too. I've got one in my office and my in-laws bought it for my wife when she was pregnant with our first kid. And it like spins and rocks and it's a power recliner lays back. And as soon as my kids were old enough, I was like, I am taking this thing out of, out of the nursery and putting it in, in my office. And it's in my office. It's my video game chair. It is awesome. I'm a recliner, 100%. Living, just living the dream. All that yeah. doggy coin that you've got. Doggy coin! It's popping. Oh, my goodness. 420. It's celebrating 420, that's for sure. Please tell me you sold that off. <laughs> uh, I sold what I had, but I still couldn't find my, I still can't find my big batch somewhere. Yeah, it's a little... what you can't find your password. No, I can't find. I, it's on a computer that I have somewhere, and I don't know where. So, oh my god, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of ducky coin. <laughs> it's really disappointing. But all right, we're gonna cut this one here, and we're gonna do a premium pod that I'm gonna run right after this for those subscribers, because there are apparently some really big rumors that we need to talk about. So I'm gonna leave that here. And for you regular listeners, thank you for listening. Join the site and listen to this nonsense we're about to talk because there's some weird rumors out there. As always, go pack. Go pack.